it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Hoop Du Jour with moi, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. As part of the Hoop Du Jour experience, we're giving our audience a homework assignment. You're about to hear part two of our conversation with the man who needs no introduction, the living history of the NBA, Jerry West. And if you missed part one, make sure you go back and check that out. So, Jerry, um, let's let's go ahead to 1981 when Westhead won a championship and then and then was fired uh, X amount of games, kind of like Baylor retiring uh, a five game winning streak. He was fired. And uh, Jerry Buss wanted you to coach the team. And I, I know it's been talked about this whole how it happened, but I think it's so intriguing the way it happened. So he wanted you to coach it, and and Riley was going to be Pat Riley was going to be your assistant. He was Westhead's assistant. Tell tell me how that worked out. How did you get out of not coaching? Well, uh, we agreed to sort of do this, and I knew it was something I shouldn't have done. Okay, and so we go to the press conference, and I said that. Um, <laughs> right in the middle of a press conference, they asked me about, and I said, you know, I said, I'm going to uh, be in Pat's going to make the decisions and I'm going to be here with him. And, uh, but I'm not going to be the head coach. I'm going to be here with him. And while, and I, I kind of looked out the corner of my eye and the late, late Jerry Buss, who I absolutely <laughs> love. Um, I think he looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> but it was the only thing I ever did. And also, I think for Pat, of course, it gave him a start. And uh, and he, you know, he was very successful and been very successful in all the endeavors. He's been involved in basketball. But he was uh, uh, where Pat was much more um, – driven uh you know practices were were very difficult um and it got to the point that once the season was over and i've talked to pat it's not something i don't feel comfortable talking about i thought i talked to pat a number of times i said pat my gosh you know we're late in the year and i said we got the best record in basketball we don't need to be killing these guys but that was pat's personality he played the same way and when he went with the Knicks, I think you saw uh, a team there that was tough as nails, but they had the right kind of people. But his best, when he was here in Los Angeles, we had, I think, the greatest basketball teams I've ever seen in the 80s. I think they were the best, and people say, oh, they couldn't play together. No, they would play and dominate. With the, It was an all-star team. Right. An all-star team. And big, score, defend. Uh, our bench was terrific. Um, a lot of really great players and they fit together and Pat, you know, Pat had them really organized and it, it was fun to watch, um, going to, uh, going to games and instead of wondering what kind of effort you're going to see with the people we had, Irvin Johnson, kind of the leader of the band, uh, we were going to, we were going to win, uh, and particularly late in the year, we were going to win. 
Jerry, why why did uh, Westhead get fired? Was it Magic uh, who wanted him fired? Was it Bus who wanted to up tempo the offense? Um, what what was it? Um, I mean, he took a lot of grief, Magic, from me for sure. Well, you know, I think you know, Irvin Irvin loves to play the game. Okay, he loved to play, and I think at times that is watching our team, we became so mechanical, and this team wasn't built to be mechanical. And I think the, uh, what was really amazing about that, once Paul left, uh, this team really took off in terms of you could see the, uh, you know, you could see the enthusiasm return. Was that Paul? I don't know. Was it the way we played? I will never know. Okay, because I wasn't even aware until somebody told me that Jerry Buss didn't tell me. I heard it a little bit later, and I went, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? And this is when it led to the Pat and me being involved. Uh, but <clears throat> what was ironic about it is when Paul left there, he changed the way he played, and he had the highest scoring. The way he coached, yeah. yeah. Yes, he changed the way he coached. Yeah. And he had one saying that when um, – when this is all over, they ask him questions, and he, you know, he was very bright himself, very bright. And he said, "The almond tree bears its fruit in silence," and he never really said anything. He didn't try to defend. Right. He wasn't negative about it, but it had to be really hurtful for him. And right. uh, obviously, it was shocking that it happened the way it happened. Very, very interesting, though, that you you know you said before that. You told Kareem when you took over as coach that you wanted to make him the focal point of the offense. Yes. Now, Westhead still made Kareem the offensive focal point, but Magic wanted to go up speed. As you're saying, you know, maybe that was the way to go at that time. Kareem bought into it, and, and there was no problem. But just, just interesting that he was doing what you were doing. Yes. Well, it's just almost the opposite uh, <clears throat> in the sense that we didn't have a – we didn't have a point guard or, or, or equivalent of a leader. We really didn't. Um, it was just a, a cohesive bunch of guys that were very mechanical in the way, way we played. Right. If you have someone like Irvin Johnson around, you don't have to be mechanical. He is a genius with the ball in his hand. Right. And the way he played the game, the leadership, uh, the excitement that he brought, and uh, he, he played every night. I mean, my gosh, he competed every night. And a lot of times you go uh, out on the court and some nights some guys don't feel like they have it. But somebody like him uplifted everyone. If you have one of those players on your team who has a lot of energy, you know, I, I watched Russell Westbrook today. My goodness, this guy has energy like crazy. Uh, and some of the things he's doing for someone his size, um, you know, he doesn't shoot the ball great. But my God, his effort, is there anyone gives him more effort than him? If they are, I want to see one. I have never seen one give the kind of effort Russell does. Yeah, I had a, a dinner with uh, Kobe uh, right before I retired when I was in L.A., and he brought up Westbrook's name as his favorite player, which is not surprising at all because of the way Kobe played. But he brought it up, and he said that to me. Um, but let's, let's, go, let's go to Kobe, okay? Now, now you're you're the president or the general manager of the Lakers. Please explain to me how you were able to maneuver getting Shaq and Kobe at the same time. And I'll just say one thing: Vancouver. I know you were trying to get 
cap money from them by giving by giving them players, and they turned you down. They turned you down. They turned you down. Finally, you you did it. You got you're smiling. You got you gave them Peeler and Lynch, and you got two number two picks. <clears throat> well, how did that happen? <clears throat> You know, Pete, probably, you know, everyone is anxious and particularly all the big markets and people who have a lot of money to spend. Um, and frankly, the free agent markets was, you know, remember the Kansas City Royal? They developed all the players for the New York Yankees. That's right. That was their farm, it was their farm system. It was their farm system. <laughs> and um, these small market teams really, frankly, probably have no chance of attracting a free agent unless some of the bigger markets want them. And unfortunately, it's the horrible part of all sports. They're called agents today and players today. They're so into um, all the social media stuff, uh, which brings an enormous amount of potential for future earnings uh, as a as a pitch man for some companies. <clears throat> and so agents know how valuable just being in the right city really is. So at that point in time, it was a weird year. There's kind of a lockout year. Uh, you know, you really couldn't talk to free agents. But probably the greatest year ever for free agents we have ever seen in this league. We may not see one like that again. Uh, you look at the players who are out there. Oh, goodness. Uh, and somebody said, well, you know, you couldn't get Shaquille O'Neal. I said, well, how about Lonzo Mourning? He's not bad. How about Matumbo? He's not bad. <clears throat> so... Going into that year, <clears throat> as you're well aware, I think Irvin Johnson had uh, had to was forced to retire, and so to, to get to a point where we would have someone to be kind of the gatekeeper in terms of <coughs> excuse me in terms of uh, fan appeal, and also someone that could be the enormous stepping stone to having a championship team again. And that was Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, not Abdul-Jabbar, but uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. <clears throat> and then during the draft, <clears throat> to get to a point in time to <clears throat> have the money uh, to be able to, um, the additional money to appeal to Shaquille, where we would have more money to offer him, right. then it was vitally important that we be able to trade by, uh, uh, <clears throat> Peeler and Lynch. Hold on for a second. <clears throat> um, Vlade Diva. Oh, Vlade. Okay, Vlade. And so then, in the process of doing this stuff, we're doing this kind of flying by our seat of our pants because we couldn't talk to any of the free agents at that point in time. So, um, tried like crazy. We'd, we'd worked out Kobe two times, and it was just, I mean, it was evident to me and anyone who had been there and had been involved in the league, this was the most talented player in the draft period. He was, it was not in vogue to draft shorter players. And, you know, he, he wasn't short. He's on six, six. Uh, but anyone big who had some ability teams would take those guys. But for some reason, you know, he was pushed down the line. And again, his agent was Arn Tellum, who um, is a great friend of mine still is today. And also Joe and Pam Harris, I mean, <clears throat> Pam uh, Bryant, were also friends. I knew Joe. And during that time, we started talking to them a little bit about after our workouts that we'd seen him. If we could get him, he would be an enormous piece going forward. Because 
if you were around him, you knew his effervescence of a player, his uh, <clears throat> his enormous talent. But he was not even he was 17 years old. I've never seen a player that young be that talented. And also the fact he just loved to play and compete. So <clears throat> so we had this plan that once we found out this is the route we're going to try to go. And Jerry Buss was very upbeat in the fact he just keep and kept encouraging me. Let's do this. Do this. Uh, <clears throat> because he knew that we, what we needed was someone who was going to draw people and have a big personality coming to Los Angeles. So we got into the process of, <clears throat> of, uh, of the draft and we finally found a way to get him at number 13. I did not think there's any way, shape or form that people could pass this kid. I did not. And Jersey <clears throat> was going to draft him. They were going to draft him and Arn and the, the Bryant family told them that they didn't want him to play near Philadelphia nor in Philadelphia. So he just kept sliding down the board. And I'm like, gosh, we have a deal. Yeah. With, with Bob, late Bob Bass, who was a wonderful man. And, uh, everyone, everyone <laughs> complained, everyone complained, how can you give a starting center up? for a 17 year old kid. Well, you know, there was a two parts of this thing, Shaquille right. O'Neal and him. Right. And so, um, I developed a relationship with Shaquille over the phone. We talked sometimes two or three times a day. And I kept telling him we had better players and give him a chance to win a championship here in Los Angeles. They did in Orlando. And I truly believed it, that we had better players surrounding him. And I said, just because you know, these guys, and some of them are friends. If you truly want to win at the highest level, I can assure you this is your best chance. And so finally, <clears throat> he was on the, playing on the Olympic team that year. We finally made a deal. And I went to, <clears throat> to sign a contract. It was like supposed to meet right after midnight. And they had the plane that was carrying the team. I think they were um, – working out, I believe in Orlando. I think that's where they were. I'm not hundred percent. So he came to Los Angeles. We got this contract. His agent was there and I was with, uh, our attorney, the late Jim Percy. And we get there and now it's, you know, we thought he'd be there about 12, 15. Now it's about two 30 in the morning. And we were on the 69th floor. And I said, this guy doesn't, I said, if this guy did not get here soon, and, uh, I said, that's, I better put an, uh, uh, a parachute on or I'm going out that window. <clears throat> so all the time and effort had been put into it. And we didn't have a, a very many people involved at all, hardly anyone. Right. And so when Chris Shaquille said he'd do it, I said, you tell, I have to make another trade. And I said, make sure you tell Jerry Buss that you're coming. Okay. We're going to pay you this. And he agreed to come. So we, Vancouver, we traded two players to Vancouver to, to have enough money to, to uh, pay him. And then we had made this deal to get Kobe Bryant. But Jerry, so, two things. Let me go backwards. If, if, if the Orlando Magic does not lowball Shaquille O'Neal, they, they had run some stupid uh, voting thing in the newspaper about should they 
or the, or the paper did, should they pay Shaquille O'Neal what he's asking? And the, and the fans said, you know, thumbs down. Had they not lowballed him, I know his agent, uh, Leonard Armato, wanted him to come out to California, yeah. out to L.A. But would he, would, he have, would he have stayed? You know, I really don't know. <laughs> I will tell you this. Uh, um, he's one of my favorite people, Pete. He really is because he never changes. And um, we had developed an incredible relationship over the phone. And even today, you know, we'll say hello or text each other every once in a while. Um, they had offered him, the real story was they offered him a, a two-year deal, I believe, two or three-year deal, when we were offering him a five-year deal. Mm -hmm. And um, they said the reason, I think the owner met with him, and to my recollection, the owner told him that he didn't know if he wanted to be there. And that's why they offered him. But after they found out that he was leaving, and they, uh, and they, emptied up. they wanted to go back and revisit it. And yeah. they didn't do it. But it was like. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's crazy, Jerry. The guy took them to the finals, you know, and now you're going to you're going to give them only two years. It, it makes no sense at all. Too late to come back. But as far as Kobe goes, you know, he, he uh, you, you know, Arn Tellum definitely, uh, you know, threatened the Nets and said that, uh, you know, his client would not come and play there if you draft them. And so I asked Kobe about that, maybe at that dinner that we that I spoke about earlier. It was sometime I asked him, I said, well, so what would you have done? Would, you know, you, where were you going to go? We're going to go to Europe, go back to Italy and play over there. He said, no, he said, I would have come and played for the Nets. He said, I definitely would have. I said, well, what happened? What, what do you think uh, would have happened had you come and played for the Nets? He said, John Calipari would still be coaching. <laughs> I'm not sure that they would have, he would have had that much, as much success there as he did. Well, whatever. <laughs> it, was line anyway. it was a line anyway. Well, John and I have talked about it a long, long time. Oh, and really? Kerry uh, Kittles, who was a great guy, really nice fellow. Yeah, that's uh, what they, they drafted, drafted him. Right. They drafted him. And, um, uh, it worked out pretty well for us. I'll say that. <laughs> <You Man. think? laughs> so, Jerry, you know, you say you say you you know you you love Jerry Buss and and uh, you know things were really good. You're winning championships with the Lakers, and then you leave the Lakers. And I and I've always felt that you know you were a Laker for life. You might have taken a few years off in between, you know, playing and coaching, and and whatever, but. You know, you're kind of like Tommy Heinsohn was with the Celtics, Celtic for life. And you left. Why? Pete, I didn't need to be there anymore. Why? Honestly, well, I'll tell you what. Did I, I was listening to you? I honestly didn't feel like I was wanted. I really didn't. I think that, uh, um, you know, a lot of changes have gone on over there in terms of, you know, people being around that hadn't been around before. Um Everyone thinks that this is something easy to sustain. It's not because every once in a while you are able to go out and acquire free agents. And I'd like to think we did it on our own with a very small staff. No, uh, Leonard Armado uh, had some very good players, but he wasn't going to direct every player toward us. And that happens today. And if you look, you know, look at the Lakers today, my goodness, uh, they have one agent has – really provide them with a, a stronghold. But most important thing, that, and if I were ever going to give any advice, 
uh, to any young person working in the league, the most important thing is to have relationships with the agents. I don't care if you don't like the agent. I don't care if you don't enjoy working with him. That is vital in today's world to be able to have respect and understand uh, and appreciate what agents do today. And you have more of them around. Uh, you have people that are, you know, striving to get involved in this business because they love basketball. And I think a lot of them like to be around athletes. But at that time, it was just really, really, really different. And for me, um, I didn't feel wanted. And uh, I just felt that. Didn't feel wanted by who? By Jerry Buss? No, I don't know who. Uh, but uh, I just didn't feel wanted. Pete, I trust my instincts. I've done this a couple times in my life. Right. Uh, I, tr I tr trust my instincts. And honestly, I thought it was. Um, I don't know if they would have offered me another contract. And I, I don't mean that in a divisive way because sometimes, you know, you stay too long with the fair. I would rather leave anything uh, in my life that where I did not feel wanted. And it was nothing to do with, you know, uh, everyone makes Phil Jackson part of Phil Jackson. It really wasn't. He was just different. Okay. He was different. Um, I didn't have a relationship with him, which was fine. Uh, but so, well, let me stop you there. How is that? How is that possible? Because I was kind of involved in getting you in touch with uh, Phil Jackson's agent at the time, uh, Musburger. How how can and this happens all the time? How can a general manager or president hire somebody as a coach, and then suddenly, once the guy's hired, you're not as smart anymore? You know, you're not. I liked Pete, honestly. I like working relationships with coaches. And Phil was quiet. So he really was quiet. And, um, and you know, for the first, oh, my goodness, for a while there, we did things together at night. We And Bill Bradley was running for president. We went to a couple things for him, I believe. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, as I say, when I go to practice, I go to practice to watch. I don't go there to to I, – I never met with coaches about who to play. The only thing I'd ever say to a coach, who would you like for me to try to acquire if we need one player to mm -hmm. uh, that you like mm -hmm. that can help us? That was the only thing I talked about, Coach. I never had meetings with them. I never set into a meeting with coaches and players. I think it's it's not it's not a general manager's job. And if I were a coach, I would be offended. Right. I wouldn't want one in there. I don't care who he is. And we have a bunch, a number mm -hmm. of general managers do that today, and I think it's wrong. Were you, were you offended, were you offended uh, big time when you went into the locker room and Phil asked you to leave the locker room? Well, it wasn't exactly asked me to leave. It was after the game. I used to never go in a game. Before the, before the game, I might go in, wish everyone well, and leave. No interaction, say hello to coach, good luck tonight, coach, and leave. And after the game, <clears throat> he wasn't very happy with the performance. And I would always go into a back room, and I thought he was done. And I walked in there, and uh, he the language wasn't very good, uh, but <clears throat> never went back in the locker room again. Mm. And um, after that, as I say, when you don't feel welcome, you don't feel welcome. Right. Okay. Welcome. But it certainly, I had great respect for him. Uh, we made him the highest paid coach. It was my idea uh, to sell Jerry Buss on it. And, um, and it, it worked, and we won. So he was right. more important than me being around. 
All right. Yeah, I, I just say, I just. Not a, not a hard sell, though, Jerry. I mean, I mean, he won three championships, you know, but but whatever. Let me let me just switch gears a little bit. I, I don't want to take it out of uh, context, but now now you're with the Warriors as as a consultant, and uh, you're involved there. And the word the word out from the Bay Area uh, media is that Mark Jackson won't allow you at practices. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> well, I know I called you about it and asked you about it, and you said that's not true. And I asked you at the time, did any other you know, any other media person from that area ever call you? You said no. To this day, to this day, they still say Mark Jackson wouldn't allow Jerry West at his practices. That is an absolute lie. Mark Jackson and I talk frequently. Okay. Right. right. I've been trying to help him get a job in the NBA. I, I know that, Jerry. <clears throat> Yeah. And do you think I would do something like that if that would have happened? No, not true. I know that. But yeah. I'm telling you, it's still circulating. Yeah. It, it's no, an amazing I thing. I, I would, I only time I would go to practice if I were up there for a game or the Warriors would have me doing something. Um, that's the only time I would even go. Pete, I don't, I don't participate in anything with coaches. If coaches want to talk about something, uh, or ask something, what do you think about this player, that player? Fine. I may never would make a suggestion unless somebody would ask me that question. I know you love to go to practices. We spoke last week, and you were on the way to, to the Clipper practice. And, right. I, and I said that you probably lead the league in attending and participating in practices. And well, you said, you I said, no, Iverson does. No, you yeah. don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Well, I enjoy, Pete. I really do enjoy. I guess it's, you know, as I say, I mentioned earlier, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. I enjoy being around and watching players and coaches prepare for games. Uh, you know, what are they trying to do a little bit different? Are they doing things differently uh, when they're playing different teams? Uh, I sort of like to know that before I go to the game, what you can look for, uh, what you can anticipate. Um, it's, it's just part of almost part of being a player again to just want to know what coaches are trying to do. I don't participate, period. You gave you gave me a great reason the other day or a great thing about you that you, you love what about the ball. What did you say? You, you the bouncing of a ball in a gym. I, I, I remember a lot of times in the summer at West Virginia University when it was hot and no air conditioning in the gym, I used to go down there and there'd be no one there and just there's something about the rhythm of a ball on the floor. And there is a rhythm to it. When there's not a rhythm to it, you know you're doing something wrong. Right. And um, it was just, it's just been part of my life forever. And, uh, you know, I've had some incredible uh, relationships with people that I've known uh, through the game. Uh, I do, I, Pete, I don't hate anybody. Okay. I don't. Uh, I respect people for, performance i respect people who are how they treat people i don't hate anybody but i am there's certain things i'm sensitive to and if i don't feel wanted i'm gone period jerry would you would you have come back to be part of the lakers as a consultant the consigliari whatever when magic was hired would you have come back and, and been his right hand then had they asked you they were never going to ask me pete why? They're just never going to ask me. Would you have come back had they asked you? I don't think so, Pete. It would have been difficult. Um, 
mm. a lot of water passes under the bridge and you know I, I see and it's not um you know I, I saw the other day who Jeannie Buss is uh made a statement that uh the five most important Lakers um uh, yes one of the most offensive things I've ever heard in my life really offensive I I was going to ask you about it okay I, so I, the, I, five, I, the five I, she I, named the five she named were Kareem, Magic, Kobe, LeBron, and Phil Jackson. Right. Well, uh, let's, let's put it this way. I was there a lot of, a lot of times and uh, had a lot of success and uh, would curious be curious to know why, if they would have had that success if I hadn't been there. And we had, Pete, we had a little small staff, and I don't ever take credit for stuff. I don't. But when I was around, maybe I was just a good luck charm, okay? <laughs> but I do know that when this thing fell apart, there was a lot of years that they weren't very good. Well, Jerry, I, let me be frank. I know you want to cut in, but just, yeah. um, I think in listening to that, what she said, I, I think she was caught off guard, you know, just in her defense a little bit because she left off magic too. And then they suggest, well, you didn't say magic. Oh, yeah, well, magic should be no more. So I, I believe she, she was uh, – just, just a little harried there. So, I yeah, don't we all, it for a second. <laughs> what's that? I don't believe it for a second. Dude. Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I uh, would like to kind of back up the bus for just a minute and and talk about uh, and not want to gloss over the success that Jerry had in Memphis. With uh, uh, certainly, it seemed to be a, an odd choice at the time bringing QB Brown back, and what led to that, and and. And for a team that had never been much of anything to get to the playoffs, what, three years in a row yes. uh, in that market and, and made the team relevant. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that you're around <clears throat> that are coaches that um, obviously you learn from other coaches. Uh, some people have a better way of presenting it. Um, you know, it's like a class. People can talk about the same subject if you're a student. And I'll never forget, I had an English literature class. And English literature, for me, a kid going to college at West Virginia University, I was scratching my head. And, and my God, it's like it's unheard of for me to want to go to an English literature class. But we had a teacher that just had this appeal. Mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to go to his classes. I could not wait. And probably the most fun of any classes I've ever had. And uh, he was, everyone loved this guy. And he go, and I had another one. I went in there. I couldn't wait to get out of class. Hmm. Couldn't wait to get out of class. I did not have that feel. But you have certain people that present things to you in a different way. And Hubie Brown is the best clinician I have ever seen in my life. Uh, he is a... Uh, he just so organized. I mean, there's nothing that he misses in a game as a coach, nothing. And I think probably maybe the happiest I've ever been for a person was Hubie Brown when he won coach of the year, won 50 games with the Memphis t uh, team. That team was in Vancouver for like 13 years or something like that. The most games they won were 23. My first year in Memphis, we won, I think, 29. And I said, I think we're good enough if we get the right coach. 
to organize this coach and have instilled discipline that this team can be pretty good. I'll never forget that night, uh, first playoff game. Everything in the building was sold out. They presented Hubie with a Coach of the Year award, and everyone had white on and everything. Um, even thinking about today, today, it gives me a hmm, gives me a great feeling. Um, he did an unbelievable job. And, and, he, and unfortunately, he, he got sick, and he and he ended up leaving. Well, I, on a Thanksgiving day, I get a call, and he says. Um, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And uh, it was probably um, one of the most disappointing days ever because it was during the season and we just really started to pick it up again. And he's gone. Um, and, you know, it's right in the middle of the season. Uh, you can do something about it over the course of the summer. But he just did an unbelievable job. He made these players believe. But, but, Instead of seeing half-hearted efforts, you didn't see that anymore. His efforts of this team were unbelievable. And um, I was so proud of him, so happy for him, because, you know, people, and particularly in the media, they can write all kinds of things that are just not true. And even some of the things I've said here today, it was just talking about the Lakers. It's time for me to go. Right. And why should I put them in a difficult position? Or why should I feel unhappy? I wanted to do it on my terms. And that was the one time that maybe I was most shocked in my life that Hubie, uh, at that point in time, walked away. If it, after, as I say, if it was after the season was over, I would have completely understood it. Right. Right. Jerry, let, let's go to, um, to your current job with, with the Clippers, okay? Um, I, I, I don't understand. I'm not reading the papers in LA, you know, at all really, but I don't think there was enough made of the fact that the Clippers allowed Harold to just walk away from the team as a free agent during the summer after he'd been the sixth, seventh best man in in the NBA. And then, and then you, you trade, um, Lou Williams, who was the sixth man almost every year of his career. You know, in the span in the span of you know months, what what happened that those two guys who were so important to the Clippers, why were they allowed to go? Well, one, first of all, one was traded. First of all, Pete, I don't make any decisions. Okay, I don't. Well, you might know something. <clears throat> no, I, well, I you know I have a voice, but I don't make final decisions on anything, and I'm not shy with my voice. By the way, if I really feel something, I feel something, but. Um, I think in any situation, uh, we have a new coach. Doc was not there anymore. Um, and the organization somewhere along the way has to look at the numbers. And I'm talking about players' salaries. Um, even though Steve Ballmer is by far the richest owner and a great guy, very reminds me very, very much of uh, Jerry Buss except that he is, you know, so much more successful. As, and people always measure success by financial. Uh, and when you look at businessmen, uh, he is really unique. And being around him is like a breath of fresh air. It's very much like Jerry Buss. Uh, I just love being around Steve. But I was much closer 
did a lot more things with Jerry, but called Steve lives up in the state of Washington. And uh, but anyway, during that period of time, they were trying to trying to do a lot of different things. And in a, in the course of doing a lot of different things, they're going to look at all options. But I think the the reason that Lou uh, was moved was the fact that we needed a somebody to could get this team into an offense. And Ray John Rondo, if you watch him play, Pete, he's a yeah. genius. No, I, well, love, I love I love Rondo. I've told him he's been and and Lou Williams. I'm telling you, was one of my favorite people. I love I just loved him. Right. Uh, but Rondo has been he's been really good for this team. He has, even though we're not. You know, we've been played three games in a row where our effort hasn't been the best. Uh, this is a this is a team that's got talent. It's this talented team. As far as Montrez, uh, I don't even know if they got to the point where uh, other teams were trying to sign him, um, and he eventually ends up with the Clippers. Uh, I mean, with the uh, Lakers. Yeah, with the Lakers. Yeah, so he, I mean, he walks across the uh, walks across the court and goes to another locker room. Hold up, hold on a second. Here. Well, he's still, you know, something again. He was one of my favorites too. I just loved his effort every night. Um, you know, they brought in Serge Ibaka, who's bigger. Uh, uh, obviously, he's been on part of a championship team, and and uh, uh, he's during the playoff. Smaller players are are much more difficult to play. Because the games tighten up, the defense is tightened up, and Montrez is—he is tireless energy. I mean, he never stops playing. Well, and again, that's what I like in players. I like players that love to compete. But the reality is, we have Serge Ibaka instead of Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. Jerry, let me let me throw a few names at you, okay? Uh, as we wind it down, okay? Um, Elgin, we've talked about him at length give me give me your thoughts on elgin's passing um do you were you you the person who introduced him or got him the job with donald sterling did you have anything to do with that oh my goodness um should i bring up his name at all is or am i allowed to or well as i say elgin is um was uh someone that um that I was so close to um, the way he interacted with me, um, the way I interacted with him. Uh, he was like many ways, a big brother. Um, I used to go out and watch him in practice. I'd watch some things he did. And I learned an awful lot from how he conducted himself with the writers. Uh, not controversial. I'd like to think I'm not controversial. I'm just honest. Um, and the stuff we shared together, the talks, um, you know, I'm just fresh out of college. And everyone had to go to school for four years, Pete. And after games, you know, you never – went to sleep and you played, you could play the next night in a different city, the night after that, a different city. But just to hear him talk and how funny he was, but also the seriousness of some of our conversation. And I'd always be in a, a room that very rarely would, there would be one white guy, me and probably four black guys playing cards. And the conversations that we had 
I just felt such a camaraderie uh, with those guys uh, because I didn't I didn't play with any any minorities when I was in college, against but not, and um, I just I never had a black roommate. I mean, I never had a white roommate when I was a player. I, I didn't want one. I just felt it was a great learning experience for me and uh, different conversations, things that they'd seen, things that they'd seen to their friends, uh, thing they they had experienced that were God awful. Um, it was a great learning experience for me personally. But as a, a player, um, you know, he was he was almost like king light on a basketball court. You could see him have his hands on his hip and he was like <clears throat> looking over his domain. <laughs> And I still have a picture of Bill Russell with the same thing, with his hand and head. They look, he looked and act regal. Both of them did. They had a special just look about them. Uh, and if you ever seen a racehorse that's retired, if you see them out in the pasture and everything, and I'm not certainly not comparing a person to a racehorse, but these horses know they're special. They know they're special. Mm. They'll come up to the fence and they'll look at you and they've gotten massive mm-hmm. after they've retired. Yeah. He was special. Right. He was special. And only because of the way my brain th- thinks, I do look at people like that. I do think they're special people. I've uh, seen a lot of them in this league. Right. A lot of them I'd like to know better because to me, again, anything I can learn about what makes this world go around, what makes it, uh, what makes it a better place. Um, how can we make it a better place? I want to hear from those people. And if you're a teammate, they're going to open up to you. Some people are so closeted in how they interact with people of a different race. Um, we're all the same Pete, and the way people treat people in this country is disgusting. Um, I'm embarrassed to some of the things I see that go on. And sometimes you'd like to feel like you can help make a difference. Um, I just, I just see awful times right now and, uh, uh, killing of people. Um, I just, there has to be a better way. Um, uh, it's disgusting to be honest with you. Jerry, regarding Elgin, as, as far as his, his legacy is concerned, it, it just amazed me that not until he died did he, did he get the recognition he's been, he's been lacking for 20, 30 years. It's like people suddenly discovered how great Elgin was. So to me, that was sinful all these years that that, that happened. And then I think working for Donald Sterling hurt his legacy because uh, – because for obvious reasons. Well, Pete, you're right. Um, I used to say all the time, um, because he was, you know, when he retired, um, when he retired, no one really kept any archives to this day. You couldn't, you, know, you go watch some of these films and they look like they're in slow motion, almost like those old tick, 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 tick <laughs> things that they have. And I will tell you, and for all basketball fans, this was one truly unique 
incredible player. Uh, his instincts on the court, uh, offensive rebound, he had a great nose for the ball. And remember earlier I talked about instincts, okay? He had those. And he had magnificent hands. He could, you know, he knew how to shoot the ball off the board. <clears throat> he was like watching a great pool player banking shots and putting it over here to be in line for another one. How he could shoot a shot and pick it and get the rebound. It looked like almost passing to himself. Um, <laughs> a unique skill. A unique skill. Yeah. Um, but again, as a teammate, uh, that was <clears throat> just being around him. Oh my gosh. Uh, funny, uh, clever. And he gave me, he gave me so many nicknames and, uh, like Zeke from Cabin Creek. And he I, gave you that. Yeah. I hated no, that. I hated that. Word. <laughs> I, I hated that. that word. Okay. I hated it because, you know, people, <laughs> people from West Virginia, uh, you know, Tweety Bird because of my voice. Oh, right, right, right. Twang. twang uh, Jerry, you think you got it bad. You know what Hubie nicknamed me? <laughs> the Viper. I mean, come on. You yeah. have to live with the Viper. Yeah. You know, you know, Kobe and I used to argue all the time about who, who was more poisonous, whose nickname, you know, the Black Mamba or, or the Viper. <laughs> well, Pete, no. No, there's another one. I used to kid him about. What? <laughs> I said, you know... <clears throat> that in this world, there's an animal that kills every black viper. I mean, every mongoose, every black viper. It's called the mongoose. The mongoose, yeah. The black mamba never wins a battle against the mongoose. Yeah, that's true. And I, wait, no, that's true. And yeah, I know it's true. Time that I was a mongoose. <laughs> I'm going to get you, okay? <laughs> but, and again, Kobe was fun. And when you got him out of the environment of, you know, when preparing for a game, he was a lot of fun too. But, Jerry, how, did, how did your relationship uh, end with him? I mean, I, I, I've been hearing a little bit about, you know, that it just wasn't that good for whatever reasons you can tell me if it's not true, but I, but I thought that, you know, when you were doing the book um, that he was the, maybe the only person who, who wouldn't agree to be interviewed. Well, for it was because of its agent, Rob Polanka. It wasn't because of him. Kobe would have done what it. Was, what, what happened? Well, they just, they, they uh, Rob Polanka asked uh, the writer, he said, submit a list of questions and we'll supply the answers back. And I told him, no, we, uh, we can do without. So, but that was fine. Um, if somebody doesn't want to participate in the book, it was not controversial. It was just about my life and some of my relationships with some of the players that I had been involved with, but his agent did not want to. Uh, Do you think, you think Kobe knew that you think he was aware that that was happening? I don't know that. I never, I never even asked. I never bothered to ask, uh, which is fine. And again, innocent Pete, if someone doesn't want to do it, that's fine. I don't have any problem with it. It's, you know, if people ask me to do things, if something that I think is going to be critical about someone that I like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I, I'm not built that way. But if it's somebody who, who brought you into their family <laughs> at number well, 13, you know, maybe uh, a center yeah. for you, I think I'd be, I think I'd do just about anything for them. Well, life turned out to be pretty good for him. Let's put it that way, except that the <laughs> tragic Sunday day was right. horrible. Right. Jerry, is there any, any trade that you're sorry you didn't make? 
that I didn't make. That you did not make. Is there any trade that you could have made and didn't for whatever reason that you look back? Well, as I say, it depends on what owner you had. Um, okay. We could have gotten Dominique Wilkins, and we could have also gotten Julius Irving. And um, the Dan owner would not spend the money to do it. That was Jack Ken Cook? Yes. Yes. Well, he was cheap in seven languages. He was... Uh... <laughs> He was cheap with you. He was cheap. What, well, explain what happened. What happened with both those guys? It was all well, there. ABA. Remember, they were kind of out there, being out there, and the team, yeah. respective team, could claim them. And um, Utah drafted Dominique, and they didn't have enough money, or they didn't, for whatever reason, uh, we could have gotten him for three million dollars. And I said to him, we had James Worthy. We drafted James Worthy there. And the only two players in that draft that uh, even uh, Terry Cummings was the other one. But to me, Terry wasn't a player for this team. But those two were. And, and can you imagine having both of those guys on your team? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I told Mr. Cook that Dominique Wilkins was one of them. He and Julius Irving may be the most two exciting players. Uh, outside of Michael Jordan, I've ever seen uh, the way they played the game, the flair that they played the game, and this is why people come out and see players. They want to see these these freakish athletes that right. we see in the NBA. But the and these guys had skill. Oh my gosh, that you talking about a three wing circus with him, James Worthy running on the wing? Can you imagine that with Irvin Johnson throwing the ball? Oh my no, god, no, I can't. Atlanta, Atlanta only gave up a million dollars and John Drew to get him, but it saved it saved their franchise. Saved I know. the Hawks. I know, I know. And and, and Utah was saved. They need the money. Had Julius Irving, same way for three million. Uh, forget what it was, um, but Utah. We could have traded Utah for for Utah for him. And we could have gotten Julius Irving for money too. And yeah, Julius was probably the three million because that's what the, that's what Philadelphia gave up to get him three million, and then gave him the three million dollar contract. Well, that was that was a smart move. <laughs> 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 it's a, he, he all the people he put in seats. He 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 earned his salary, whatever he made. He probably didn't get enough, to be honest with you. All the pe all the people he brought out of seats. I know that's right. Well, one of the one of the things that I would say to you, Pete, and uh, anyone who's watching, some of these players are not only great players, but Pete, the one element that no one ever ever talks about: how many people will want to come and see this guy play? Right. They are the ones who make these franchises successful because they draw they draw people. They draw people. Who would you go to see? Play? Who would you pay to go see? I know you might get in free anywhere. But who would you pay to go see? Today in this league? Today. Yeah, today. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Obviously, LeBron James. Um, I've always liked, uh, I think, Giannis because of, you know, of the joy he plays the game. I, I, I enjoy his efforts every night. Honestly, I, I like to watch Joe B play. I like. Uh, he's got a playful side to him, but he's really good. Um, my goodness. Um, let me let me throw a name out there. Chris Paul. Curry. Who? Curry. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I had a chance when I was involved with Warriors to see him play a lot. Right, he, right. Um, you know, people I paid, look at I paid it. to see Curry play. Who's that? 
I'd pay to see Curry play. Oh, for sure. There's only a few. There's only a few. Right. Um, and when you know when uh, when you watch people when you watch people play in this league, I tell you who to me this year has been the best I have seen him in a number of years is Chris Paul. Right. People talk about most valuable players. I love to watch Jokic play myself because he. You right. look at him and look like he's stumbling around all over. The place. <laughs> this guy is so skilled, and his hands. Okay, yeah. I think in your lifetime you've seen a lot of players that if somebody had a newborn baby and you handed it to him, there's certain people you would not hand that baby to. No peach is not going to drop anyone, and why right. Leonard's not going to drop anyone, right? Uh, but there, there are certain people that that resonate with me, um, and there's a lot of a lot of people out there that you know. I know I'm going to miss someone along. Yeah, the way. Yeah. And there's other players. There's other players that uh, you go see or want to go see for the teams. And some teams, there's not anyone I'd want to see play, and they might have good teams. You know, another one that I miss. He's been hurt for so long. Is is Clay Thompson, and then and then you've got you know you've got uh, Durant. Who doesn't like watching him play? Oh my goodness! I, yeah. I just can't really say those two, but and, and Kevin, Kyrie and Harden, and yeah. And oh all my gosh, uh, Kevin Durant scores easier than anyone I can ever see. He never gets the credit. Never. Right. This guy is not a scorer. He's a basketball player. Right. James Harden is a basketball player. But you know why? Because they pass, they move the ball, they make people better. Right. Kevin, I saw the other night what he's got forty-two, got forty-two points, and it's got like what nineteen shots or eighteen shots, something like that. Right. Come on. <laughs> you no, know, no one can guard him. You cannot guard this guy. Right. You cannot guard him. And then Kyrie around the basket, he might finish better than anyone. And this guy is just a magician. Yeah. And James Harden, oh my gosh. Uh, He's a brilliant player. He has a brilliant mind to play the game. And you know, a lot of people, for some reason, they, they don't resonate with this guy. Are you kidding me? Right. He's a great, great player. All right. I, I'm going to end it on this note. Yeah. So, so Michael, Michael Jordan was quoted in, in a book, one of his books, that the player that he would have loved to have played against in his prime, in both their primes, is you. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, now, Michael and I, you know, as I say, Michael, I'm I don't like to be a name dropper, but Michael is probably. A, I don't know how you could find a more real athlete than him. I don't. He is now. He doesn't change. Uh, he still is really fun to be around. I see him every once in a while, and being around him is like being around a normal guy. He really is, and he and I don't know. Uh, anyone, unless they would be envious of him, that would could be jealous of him. I don't. I really don't. He is just absolutely the best of the best. And flattering, he would say that. Um, but who would have won? Who would have won, Jerry? Um, I wouldn't have won. That's for sure. But no really? one, no one, no one won anyway. <laughs> I, think no Oscar, won anyway. I think Oscar feels he would have won. <laughs> uh, well, I love Oscar, but uh, um, <laughs> I love Oscar. But no, he's um, all right. Okay, Michael is just as I say. You know, watching him and LeBron James, 
They were probably the two, two most unique players I've ever seen. And that's not the de uh, detriment of all the other great players. But right. you know, LeBron's size, uh, his brain, uh, you know, his leadership ability are, have, been, have been amazing, absolutely amazing. And when I watch him and I watch some of the things he does for his size, and to imagine that he is still relevant at this age, more than relevant at this age of his life, because he puts the effort in. He's become a much better shooter. He's gotten better every year. And great players do that. Now, maybe they lose a little bit physically, but you don't see it because they add other elements to their game that, makes them, more, that make them more complete. And they could, they're almost timeless, some of these guys are. Uh, LeBron James, watching him, uh, this year, you know, he's had this ankle sprain, which is the first time he's really ever missed any significant time. But I watch him play, and I marvel at how he plays. Um, he, and Kevin, as I say, Kevin, I love Kevin, okay? He just – he's a great guy, uh, not selfish. Um, uh, he could – as I say, he can carry a team against anyone. I don't care who they are. Well – I'm going to end, end it on this note, Jerry. You know, Jordan Jordan swears he's, you know, competitive up for every challenge, but but he doesn't want to do this podcast either. So, yeah. I'll, let, Peter, let me let me let me interject interject two things very quickly. One, I know it's uh, probably uh, 28 days or so, 27 days early, but a happy 83rd birthday to you, sir. Ah, and, there you go. And uh, what I found incredible, many things fascinating, but uh, the number that cries out to me is this is NBA year number 75. And save for those three years, I guess, immediately after uh, you had retired, you've been involved in the league for 61 of the 75 years. Have you stopped well, to think? Of, have you stopped well, to think about that? Well, it's pretty amazing, and as I say, you know, I'm obviously getting in to the end of the road, but I, I will say this, that I've enjoyed so many people um, getting to know people, more importantly, let people know who you are. Um, and as I say, I don't really, you know, people that, sometimes you have people that you, you're more fond of than others because you really don't know them. And I say sometimes that people don't want to know you because they they don't know you. They they see that maybe they think you're arrogant, you're something else. But I don't think people can survive any anything unless you're yourself. Be honest. Um, the people you with uh, you're with. I, I say I love basketball players. Um, you know, some of them are built a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, they grow up pursuing a dream and many of them have walked away um, unbelievably successful but and they give back and the ones that give back those are the ones I'm most appreciative of well, Jerry you've been saying you're going to uh, near the end of the line for about 20 years I've been talking to you and so I don't I don't believe there is an end of the line and so ho hopefully we, we can do this again I, I really really appreciate listening to you and uh, and and your willingness to answer all questions well thank you great to be, spend time with you and continue good luck Pete. okay you take um, bye-bye
Thank you for listening to Hoop Du Jour with moi, Peter Vesey, and column castigator Frank Drucker. You can listen to all Hoop Du Jour interviews by searching Legends Studios wherever you get your podcasts.